Good morning. I'm Blake Herzinger, a non-resident WSD HANDA fellow with the Pacific Forum, and I'm talking to Ashley Townsend, director of the United States Studies Center in Sydney. Uh, so the rapid, unexpected fall of the Afghan government, combined with the harried exit from Kabul, were certainly not shining moments for the self-described adults in the room of the Biden administration. Uh, so we've seen the pundit Thunderdome working overtime, as well as the PRC's Global Times to use these events, as well as the withdrawal itself to cast doubt on every other U.S. alliance, casting Washington as unreliable and lacking the will to support its allies, particularly those in the Indo-Pacific. The other in utter inanity of this argument aside, it's not unfair to point out that we have yet to see much evidence of this administration's professed prioritization of the region. Um, so let's talk about Afghanistan uh, for uh, a little bit this morning, Ash. Um, give me a quick take on what you think uh, the region is taking away from the withdrawal or or what we may see yet. Thanks, Blake. I, I love the line, the, the Twitter uh, Thunderdome or the Twittersphere Thunderdome. I think that's right. Um, Look, sitting here in the Indo-Pacific, at, at least at the southern point of it, I don't see the developments in Afghanistan as being in any way predictive of how a U.S. administration or even this U.S. administration is going to behave towards its security commitments with allies and partners in the Indo-Pacific. Um, as we know, uh, U.S. allies assess the credibility of American commitments based on interests, not past performance in theaters of significantly lesser value to the United States. So from here, I think that a lot of this commentary is really um, 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 uh, sort of hyperventilation rather than reasoned assessment. Uh, you wrote a good piece on foreign policy about this though as well, Blake. Oh, thanks, Ash. Um, so yeah, uh, my piece, Taiwan isn't Afghanistan, whatever Beijing says. Um, kind of tries to get right at what what you pointed out. And it sort of created more of a question of Washington's competence, uh, and not just within the Biden administration, but, you know, over 20 years. You know, what have we been doing for two decades? Not necessarily, as you said, the credibility of U.S. commitments, because if you really want to talk about commitment, the United States and its allies spent 20 years in Afghanistan. So it's pretty hard to call that a lack of commitment, uh, or unwillingness to fulfill uh, its stated its stated commitments, and I think uh, you're absolutely right. A lot of what we've seen is just, you know, clickbait, hyperbolic, uh, hyperventilation, which mm -hmm. you know obviously social media feeds. Um, but uh, in terms of those alliances, uh, Ash, you and your team at the U.S. Study Center in Sydney have a new report out. Uh, correcting the course, uh, how the Biden administration should compete for influence in the Indo-Pacific that I think gets directly at these issues of, um, you know, credibility, what's happening, where things are going. Um, so I I was particularly impressed by kind of the first, the first bullet there, the first key judgment that the Biden administration's approach to the Indo-Pacific has so far lacked focus and urgency, despite its deep regional expertise on, on the bench and the region's high expectations. It's failed to articulate a comprehensive regional strategy or treat the Indo-Pacific as its decisive priority. So why do you think that has happened? Look, that's exactly uh, you know, our concern, uh, um, Blake, from an Australian perspective, looking at this administration's Asia strategy so far, and it is early days, 
but we do expect more from an administration that is so high caliber in terms of its personnel. Um, from here, you know, Biden has no trade or investment strategy for the region. He hasn't prioritized regionally focused defense spending. Um, the administration has been pretty slow in engaging Southeast Asia in meaningful priorities, um, despite the trip by the vice president last week, um, uh, uh, which has gone to the same countries uh, as Secretary Austin went to uh, a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Singapore and Vietnam, which are easy for the administration. We've, we've seen, um, I guess, a focus on a restorationist agenda in Asia. Uh, that is to say, the administration has, um, yes, played it safe, but also has focused on um, rebuilding the bilaterals in terms of the tone and tenor of those relationships, um, uh, talking a good game with regards to engaging Southeast Asia, uh, but not forcing choices. So that has been, I guess, uh, the way the administration has approached the region so far, and one reason uh, that it hasn't gone further. But it's the nature of the way that the Biden team view competition with China that is key uh, from my perspective. Um, competition with China for the Biden team is about long-term global systems competition, not a short-term or near-term competition for influence in the region. And it's with that lens in mind that I think it makes sense that this administration has yet to deliver on the rebalance to Asia when it comes to an economic strategy or short-term um, military spending to, uh, to improve America's position on a range of regional flashpoints. Um, do you see things similarly in Singapore? Uh, I do. Uh, you know, Secretary Austin and, and uh, Vice President Harris's visits to Singapore were perfectly inoffensive, right? Uh, they they hit a lot of the rhetorical notes that people expect from a normal administration staffed by, you know, non-psychopaths, but didn't advance anything. I mean, very little. You know, yeah, there were some small wins, um, but not a lot. Um, so I think we're actually coming up on time. 